What is up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of Surfing the Stream, where every week we are on a quest to find out what is the greatest movie of all time. I'm your host, Matt Primo, and if you're new to the show, new to our channel, here's a little rundown of what we do each and every week. Normally, we drop at least two movie reviews a week. Me personally, I do my own series, another review. I'm joined by my co-host of the Two Game Podcast, which you can check that out on any of your streaming apps such as Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find us, Two Game Podcast. That is the number two. But he joins me for a review every week. We normally do a lengthy series, like we just finished reviewing all of the theatrically released Batman movies. That was a good time. It was a dark time in the very beginning of that series, just to be honest with y'all. But towards the end, you know, it got kind of a little stale. I was kind of done to be with Batman, kind of ready to move on. So we moved on, and we have started Die Hard Review. We've already done the first Die Hard movie, and we're going to go all the way until the god-awful last one, which I don't even remember what the last one is called. Uh, oh, uh, Good Day to Die Hard. It was bad back then. I, I've only seen it like once, so... Maybe my mind has changed the second viewing. Who knows? But I have done horror in review. I have done 90s action in review. I've reviewed all the Terminator movies. We just finished that. I just finished up that series. And now throughout the month of January, I am reviewing all of the Underworld series. You can check out my first review, which is Underworld Rise of the Lycans. We are going through the series chronological order as per the request of our Patreon supporters. And speaking of which, you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash two game. That is the number two. And you, if you want to support us, you can consider supporting us on there. We have a $5 tier, $10 tier, and a $20 tier. And our $20 tier support is where you get to help choose what we talk about each and every week what we review month in and month out. We put up votes. We have like a group text that we got going on that we talk back and forth about what what can we make both of our shows better. So if you want to support us, you can go on there. And shout out to our $20 tier supporters, Carmen Edmonds, Eric Hernandez, and Sharon Petrie. Y'all have all been here since the very beginning. We appreciate you each and every week. We cannot do this without y'all. Thank you. So here's a little thing I've been thinking about. And before we jump into this review, I'm thinking of, you know, back in October and in November, I did horror movies in October, you know, obviously, because Halloween. And then I did 90s action in November. And then I would end that series with a top 10 list of the greatest movies of that genre. And since I've been doing, like I did Terminator last month, on the very last episode of Dark Fate, I put, I ranked all the movies from worst to best. And I love rankings. I, I don't know. I, I go through YouTube and on podcasts, and there's just something about rankings that I find so intriguing of you know other people's opinions and figuring out where they kind of rank everything. So, obviously, at the end of this series, and I cannot think of the last Underworld movie off the top of my head, to be honest with you. 
because like I've mentioned it on the previous episode, I've seen the first one. I've seen Rise of the Lycans and I believe I've seen the second one, Evolution, but I don't remember a damn thing about it. And I've never seen Blood Wars and Awakening. Never seen those two. So this is like a fresh take on the series. I don't have, you know, nostalgia clouding my rankings other than Rise of the Lycans, which is fantastic, by the way. So the point I'm trying to make here is I love rankings and I love ranking series and genres and my favorites, not favorites, whatever. So I'm thinking at the end of each month, obviously I'm not going to do a separate episode for Underworld. I'm not going to just spend five minutes talking on a regular episode about my rankings. Not going to really do that. I'll just put that at the end of each of the last movies. So I'm thinking at the end of each month, I'm going to do a best of the month episode because I watch a ton of movies each month. And starting in October, starting this past October, I was doing a whole bunch of horror movies. And now that I'm kind of like in my own little series like Terminator, I was only I only had to review those 6 movies. So I could watch a whole bunch of different stuff that I've never seen before. So I'm thinking at the end of each month, I'm going to drop like a my top five favorite movies of the month that I've watched. That way it will give you all something to go check out. And by the way, I highly recommend going to Letterboxd. That's letter, like, you know, mail, letter, box, B-O-X-D, Letterboxd. Go download that app. And you can follow me on there. I am, you can search me for Primate X. That is P-R-I-M-A-T-E-X. And I go on there and I put all my movies that I've seen. I score them, rate them, whatever. I put them in their own list. I even have a Surfing the Stream list on there. So you can actually see every single movie that we've reviewed through that app. Uh... And also the Patreon exclusive reviews will also be in there. So maybe that'll give you a little incentive to uh, go join us. But yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about at the end of each month, we'll, I'll drop like a top five list. It may not be a lengthy episode, but I think it'll be it'll be, give us something to talk about other than the series. And it'll give you all something to go watch. But anyways, let's get into what you're here for. And you're here for Underworld. Underworld in review. This is numero uno in the series, technically. This was the first released one, just Underworld, no other subtitle. So the plot of this movie, Selene, a vampire warrior, is entrenched in a conflict between vampires and werewolves while falling in love with Michael, a human who is sought by werewolves for unknown reasons. This movie was directed by Lynn Wiseman, he also directed 2012 Total Recall. He also is going to make another appearance on our channel, Live Free or Die Hard. And he also directed Underworld Evolution. So I believe Total Recall was a Patreon exclusive review because I did review Total Recall and then Total Recall Remake. I believe that was a Patreon exclusive. I'm not I'm not entirely sure. So I will have 
by the end of Die Hard, I will have reviewed, I think, all of his movies. Uh, maybe I should change the series to Lynn Wiseman in review. I mean, I don't know. I did not do that on purpose, by the way. This movie was released on September 19th, 2003. 17 years ago. Wow. And honestly, I'll jump into that in a minute, but the movie doesn't look terrible. Like, as far as, like, the look and the feel of the movie, it doesn't, I mean, it looks like early 2000s, to be honest with you, but I wouldn't say it just looks terrible. The aesthetic is very pleasing, I have to say, but, you know, I'm a metal emo guy and a heart, so. This had a $22 million budget, and it grossed worldwide $95.7 million. Let's jump into the fun facts, and I'll give you my thoughts on the movie. So Screen Gems, which is, I guess, the, the production company, greenlit a sequel as well as the prequel days before the movie opened, and this was based off the number of tickets sold in Canada. So they had already greenlit Evolution and Rise of the Lycans before this movie was actually released worldwide, which was very interesting. You don't see many movies getting a whole bunch of movies, specifically back then. It wasn't this thing where, oh, we're going to do a trilogy of movies. Let's just go ahead and greenlit all, greenlight all three of them. It, that's not the case. As you know, nowadays, you can greenlight a whole, you know, like Star Wars. They have like 10 movies greenlit at one time. Whereas back then, back in the early 2000s, 90s, 80s, and so on, you it was basically a one once you know one time movie kind of thing. Let's take it one movie at a time. So it's kind of interesting that they scheduled they were greenlighting two other movies on top of this. In the newly released 2017 4K remaster, the scenes where Michael kind of recounts his events of Sonya's demise, they actually replaced it with footage of Rise of Lycans in this movie. So I was watching this movie, and I noticed it. I was like, I don't remember that being in there. And I know this movie came before it, so they did some digital altering in this. And it brought back, I don't know, maybe, I'm, I'm just going to say it, not to bring up old wounds, but it brought up PTSD moments of George Lucas and Star Wars. Just go ahead and say that, and that's going to be all I'm going to say about that. Uh, Force Ghost, Anakin at the end of at the end of Return of the Jedi. I'm still bitter about it because it looks dumb. Should have just left it alone, George. Should have just left it alone. Anyways, initially pitched as Romeo and Juliet for vampires and werewolves. Now I'm going to come back to that point in just a few minutes. So hold on to that thought. Mythbusters actually proved that Celine could not, in fact shoot a circular hole in the ground to escape the lichens. Now, I was going to talk about this in a little bit, but since we're already on the subject, I'll go ahead and talk about it. Her shooting the circular circular hole in the ground to escape is one of the most iconic moments in, I don't want to say movie history, because it's not movie history, but definitely of this series and I think it's very, very famous amongst 
like these style of movies like underworld resident evil all those kind of uh the uh, niche genre movies i think it's very very famous anytime i think about underworld i'm thinking about her shooting a circular hole in the in the in the ground that's just me personally but i also grew up watching this movie and i say that but i've only seen it a few times i've seen it bits and pieces a lot because it used to come on sci-fi and tnt all the time all the time you young you youngsters out there may not know what tnt and and sci-fi is because you don't have really have cable anymore but yeah we used to have to watch that on tv without cable so i consider that to be famous i always remember that scene growing up but let's be honest I didn't think it could actually happen. I mean, it doesn't look like it would happen. It would be able to happen in real life. The fact that Mythbusters actually tested this is awesome. And this isn't, I think this is not the first time that we've had a review where Mythbusters busted something that happened in a movie. I don't know what review it was, to be honest with you. But I'm pretty sure we've had a fun fact of Mythbusters previously. I personally love Mythbusters, and I have not seen any of these cool myth-busting things that involve movies. It's always been, you know, random shit. But let's jump into my general impressions, because I'm kind of just rambling on here. So, let's jump back to this initially pitched as Romeo and Juliet for Vampires and Werewolves. Alright, so I recently reviewed Rise of the Lycans, and my issue with that movie was I I believe I brought up the fact that it was a little bit of Romeo and Juliet involved. And I liked the connection that they made between Sonia and Lucian. I thought that was really good in that first movie. I mean, if you could not nail that, I don't think that movie would have been good at all. But I raised the point that I wish they would have developed it that relationship from the very beginning. And they do that in this one. They develop it from the very beginning. But I don't feel the same way about these two as I did about Sonya and Lucien in Rise of the Lycans. They say, oh, they fell in love. And oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Did they, though? I mean, all they did was talk for about 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden, they're they're horny for each other. I mean, I, I don't... I don't understand it. I don't understand how you just all of a sudden just fell in love within a couple hours. Like, if there was some character development between them two, if there was some, I don't know, it just is very unrealistic. And I get it. There are vampires and werewolves in the movie. Nothing's going to be realistic. I, I got it. I got that. But these are characters, and you're trying to develop a relationship between them. You're trying to show that these two are falling in love and Michael is spoiler alert by the way after Michael is bitten by the lichen you're led to believe that she's so in love with him that it drives her from being the vampire from being a part of the vampires to going rogue and it's like 
what what happened there? Like, why did she fall in love with him? Like, nothing really ever happened between them. Nothing ever transpired between them to make her just sacrifice her entire life and, you know, get away from the, the vampires altogether. Nothing would... Nothing that was developed in the story led you to believe that would be an option. Like, if I was her and Michael was over there, nah, dude, I'm sticking with the vampires. I don't care if old dude, uh, you know, killed my parents. I'm kind of not going with you here. So, I, I, that was my, that's my biggest issue of the movie. Another issue I have with the movie is Craven. I think he's just poorly acted. Very poorly acted. I don't like him. Every time he comes on the scene, who is who's that uh, actor? Shane Brawley, Broly, Broly, a little DBZ character, maybe. I don't know. So Shane Brawley, I just, I just, I don't like him. I don't like him at all. I think his character is interesting as far as you know him wanting to be a part of, not be a part of, but him joining forces with the lichens i thought all that was was pretty interesting and it's a a decent story to be honest with you it's just they kind of fall flat in some areas and that story really gets really gets hindered by the lack of good acting by shane brawley who does craven i just i did not enjoy him he he's one of the worst parts of the movie to be honest with you to my other complaints of the movie. Uh, the action is... Is it better than Rise of the Lycans? Yes. Yes. But that's not saying much. Because if you've listened to my review of Rise of the Lycans, you will, under, you will already know that one of my issues with the action scenes in particular is that they were doing chaotic quick flashes of the werewolves just quick shots and close-ups of the werewolves just doing whatever it like they weren't confident in doing good action scenes so they shot everything close and quick made it quick cuts and it just looked choppy i just i I don't like that style of action i don't like that type of stuff in my movies to be honest with you i'm very picky when it comes to, to action if you haven't been able to tell so far now they don't do that as much in this movie They do do it to some degree, and yes, they do do that with the werewolf still in this movie, so I don't know if that's like a serious thing. Like I said, I've seen three out of the five movies, so we'll see if that continues, if that little trend continues, but for the most part, the action is very lackluster, to be honest with you, in this movie, and to be an action movie, I think your action has to be good, and they kind of fall flat with the action in this movie. It's very lackluster, to be honest with you. Another of my complaints with the action is Kate Beckinsale. Now, she's iconic in this role as Celine. I mean, she's in all the movies, and she, I mean, when you think of Kate Beckinsale, you think of Underworld. Her, I don't know if it was, I, I don't know what the deal is. It's like the way she's holding both of her guns, it's like, I, I don't even know if I can explain this through a podcast and y'all would understand what I'm talking about. If you go watch it, you you can probably understand what I'm saying. But like she holds it like the both the guns like above her head and she arcs her arms downwards. 
And it's just weird. And it almost looks like she's slinging her arms back and forth. Like she's like five years old. And just, it, it's almost like a saw in motion back and forth with both hands. And I just, it, it looks dumb, to be honest with you. It looks really dumb. I don't know if anybody else kind of falls in that same area where they, you no, know, do y'all think the action looks like that? It, to me, it appears like that. Like she's just going back and forth with both guns. And it just seems very fake, very dumb. And I mean, that's really nitpicking, but it just, it, it looks silly to be honest with you. As far as performances, I think they're all okay. Just okay. I think Michael Sheen is significantly better in Rise of the Lycans. He's alright in here. He does have some chew- some scenes to chew on, but it's nothing to the point of Rise of the Lycans. Bill Nighy, Nihi, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, he has some good scenes. I still prefer him in Rise of the Lycans. I think all the performances were significantly better in Rise of the Lycans versus this movie. But granted, this was the first movie. And this was in 2003. So, and Rise of the Lycans was in 2009, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, there's a six-year gap between there. So, I'm hoping... I know, they, I know they're in Underworld Evolution in some form or fashion... I don't know whether that's flashbacks or if they come back or whatever, but I know them two are back in that movie, so I'm curious to know if the performances change a little bit or if they're a little bit better, considering they have a little bit more time with the roles. As far as Scott Speedman, I mean, he was fine. I don't really have any issues with him. I think he was, he was, yeah, he was just fine. Honestly, anytime I think about Scott Speedman, I think about The Strangers. I know The Strangers came out. Uh, what did that? What year did that come out? That came out in 2009, 2010? No, it was like 08 or 09 that movie came out. But I, whenever I see Scott Speedman, I think of The Strangers, which is one of my favorite all-time uh, horror movies, by the way. The dialogue is, it's meh. It's some, there's some pretty terrible lines in this movie. I mean, granted, you have to look at when this movie was released, and I've said it a few times throughout this episode, throughout this review, this was released in 2003, okay? The dialogue is very 2003-ish. So you got to give it, I mean, it, it was a movie that came out 17 years ago that's going to be talking a, a certain way. And the dialogue is okay. I mean, it's it's a low-budget action movie. So you got to expect the dialogue to be a little janky, a little dumb at times. So that's that's expected. But overall, I, I do enjoy this movie. I do like it. I gave it a, a like on the Letterboxd app. And I gave it two and a half stars on Letterboxd. So currently, I do think Rise of the Lycans is a overall better movie. And I do enjoy Rise of the Lycans more than this one. Does Rise of the Lycans stay on top You know, towards the end of the series? I don't know. I haven't seen... Honestly, I can't even tell you what the next three movies are about. So it's going to be fresh takes. But out of a buy, sell, rent, or skip option, I think this movie is worth... If, you can't, if you're not going to buy it on the... If you're not going to buy it in a DVD set, a box collection, then I recommend getting on sale. Do not pay full price for this. Go to like a Second and Charles, a, a 
hand-me-down, DVD shop, whatever. Get it on sale. If you rent it, I mean, you might as well buy it because I think renting it will be just about the same price. I would not pay more than $5 for this, to be honest with you. I think $5, if it's not in the $5 bin at Walmart, then you don't need to buy this. You could probably find this somewhere else. Currently through Apple TV, it is $13 and $4 to rent. I would not do either of those. If you have to give this movie up, if you're paying $4 and giving this movie up in 48 hours, I wouldn't do that, to be honest with you. I would just go, if you like the series, just go buy the box set. You can spend $25, $30 on it. That'd be great just to get all the movies. I mentioned this in the previous review as well. This is not currently on any of the streaming apps. It was on Netflix a couple of months ago. It was on Amazon Prime, I think, last month, to be honest with you. So if you're willing to wait, you can probably catch it on one of those apps uh, in the near future, I would think. I've, I've seen them on there several times over the years. But I would not go any higher than $5 on, on this movie. I don't think it's that amazing. I think it's good. It's a, it's a popcorn flick, to be honest with you. Don't go into this movie expecting anything amazing. Don't expect amazing dialogue. Don't expect this huge elaborate story. It's going to keep you in the loop. It's going to keep you entertained. $5, that's what I would give it. So I think that's going to conclude this review of Underworld. Up next, Underworld Evolution. I appreciate y'all joining me, and I'll catch y'all next time.